This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Right now, I'm a podcasting machine, as you might expect. If you missed it, check your feed for the bonus episode I posted earlier this week, talking about the Beatles' post-Beatles Christmas music with Jonathan Priedis of the Ranking the Beatles podcast. I've known Jonathan and his wife and co-host Julia for years, and he came on the show in 2019 to defend McCartney's wonderful Christmas time. On their podcast, they count down the Beatles songs from his least favorite to favorite. Since the Beatles didn't release any official Christmas music while together, we did a crossover episode to rank their holiday fan club releases. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes, but we had so much fun doing it that we decided we needed to do another. This year, Julia took a break from Get Back-related overkill, while Jonathan and I talked about the Christmas music the Beatles released after the breakup. Even when we don't agree, I like Jonathan's takes, and we had enough fun doing it that we're already brainstorming on 2022. That's in your feed now, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Today, I've got some more cool interviews. First up will be Americana artist Amanda Shires, whose Gone for Christmas song and video got Alexandra Scott and I ready for her 2021 Christmas album, For Christmas. Amanda's here to talk about it this week, and I also have country singer Rodney Atkins and his wife, Rose Falcon, who perform as Rod and Rose. They released a couple of Christmas songs this season and stopped by to talk about them. Finally, Julian Coster is here to talk about a unique album of Christmas music that he released in 2008, The Singing Saw at Christmas Time. It's an album of Christmas music played on the saw, and Coster's approach to music the project, and its career in general is fascinating and a lot of fun. We'll get to them shortly, but first, some news. LCD Sound System's Christmas Will Break Your Heart from 2016 is as depressing as the title suggests. But that hasn't stopped them from getting into the Christmas music game again on December 22nd when they will stream the LCD Sound System Holiday Special on Twitch and Amazon Prime Video starting at 8 p.m. Central. Check that again, December 22nd, on Amazon Prime Video and Twitch, starting at 8 p.m. Central. According to a press release, it will be modeled on the sitcom All My Friends, with actors Eric Wareheim, Macaulay Culkin, Christine Coe, and Aparna Narnshala playing members of the band. It's not clear from the press release how this will be a Christmas thing, but I plan to watch to find out. In case you haven't heard it, Here's a little bit of Christmas Will Break Your Heart. Christmas will break your heart If your world is feeling small And there's no one on your phone You feel close enough to call Christmas will crush your soul Like that Some artists are taking their time getting their Christmas songs into the world. While I was prepping this episode, I received a download of My Favorite Holiday from the San Antonio-based roots rocker Patricia Vaughn. 
I haven't had time to dig into the album yet, but I like the song and sentiment of Santa's on a Rampage the minute I heard it. Here it is. Finally, I recently talked to pianist Arthur Hanlon, who has a new EP, A Holiday Christmas Piano, which is out now. I'll run that interview in January, but I wanted to give you a chance to hear it now. Arthur is best known for his work in the Latin market, where he's had a lot of success. The Latin element is less obvious in these arrangements, but it's there, as he explains when we talk. Here's Noche de Paz from A Holiday Christmas Piano by Arthur Hanlon. Americana artist Amanda Shires did her online listening party for her For Christmas album at the home of John Prine with his widow Fiona. He and his love of Christmas in part inspired her to make a Christmas album, as she explains in our conversation. Hers isn't a traditional Christmas album because of all the things it's not, including a showcase of her take on the classics. We talked about what it is and why it's that way. So let's get to the conversation. This is Amanda Shires on 12 Songs. Let's dress you up to be seen. I've been looking forward to this for 52 years. I got feathers, gold, and silver beads. Garland enough to cover all six glorious feet of you. I got a So to start, what made you decide to do a Christmas record? I decided to do a Christmas record because I was, uh, I didn't hear my Christmas experience in Christmas music a lot of times, you know, and then the the songs that I did hear were, you know, songs I've I've heard all my life and you know, you inherit those from your folks and all that. And it was, um, while those things can be good and sometimes super uh, annoying, um, those songs, I decided that I needed to make some Christmas songs that were truer to the experiences that I have that way, you know, in the hopes of connecting with folks and um, and um, also giving people options of, of great Christmas songs to hear. Yeah. So what did you want to hear 
in uh, in Christmas songs that you weren't hearing? What in your experience wasn't being represented? Um, the fact that it's not always happy. It can be lonely and it can be frustrating. And sometimes you can't find the Christmas spirit to, no matter where you're you're looking. And, you know, other, other Christmases, it's f- fun and you like your family for three days and you eat a lot and um, nothing terrible happens. <laughs> and um, some Christmases you can't even like uh, fathom the idea of wanting to get the tree out and, um, you know, dealing with um, shopping. Last year we had a a different kind of Christmas in the Christmas experience um, because of COVID, you know? Sure. And like, I know, you know, our family didn't gather and I know a lot of folks that didn't go to go see their families, um, whether it was because of traveling or just nursing home situations and, um, so I was thinking a lot about that and then, you know, lost some folks and some close friends and yeah, I just, I just, um, feel a little differently about it now. Sure. No, I understand. I, uh, yeah, it's, it was fascinating last year, uh, interviewing people about you know, musicians about Christmas music and simply how many of them, this was making an album was their COVID project. Uh, right. It was it was a thing they did to cope, and yeah. uh, b- but at the same time, it's so much to reflect on, and uh, that you know a year that just changed the way so many people ce- uh, celebrate celebrate Christmas and who you celebrate Christmas with. Right, and I didn't make this during COVID. I during COVID I did live streams and stuff like that, but I did um, this summer realize that um, Christmas was coming again, and that. Um, I might have to be subjected to malls and shopping and the uh, mall people music. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) (laughs) Was it hard to write uh, Christmas songs? I think for me, it's not hard. I'm not a person that, you know, I don't want to hear let it snow again. So I'm definitely not going to cover it. And I, I think that, um, writing for me when I'm willing to do it or when the well is full, it's an easy thing for me to do, especially when, when I have a lot of feelings to work through myself, you know? Um, so it wasn't hard. The difficult part was, um, the fact that it was summer and I was, you know, doing a lot of Christmas thinking and writing around my house and, and, uh, you know, having to deal with my mom thinking I'd lost my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say, I start singing Christmas songs in June. So it was just like, and then John Prine, he would start humming Santa Claus is coming to town around June. And, um, he left his tree up all year long and, uh, really really loved christmas um, on tour he would buy ornaments and get the christmas present going early and and um i guess june is when i started writing it and recording it and um just thinking about there was this there's a vacancy now and then and um i guess i became a little bit more christmasy even <laughs> <laughs> i actually was about to ask you about that because i watched part of the uh of the for Christmas listening uh, from the Prines. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and and I saw and saw a little bit about talking about about John uh, Shep- that him starting Christmas in June. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, since obviously you brought, so how does I mean, is how much a part of your life was he, or how much, or how did his loss sort of sort of affect last year's Christmas and. He is a family member. Um, it's still, that's still tough, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I do think, I think I'm one of those people that you see, you still say his name, you still listen to his music. He's still there, you know? And, um, I have some of his guitars and I think that, or I have a guitar back here. Um, <laughs> so I feel like he must come in here and rattle it around sometimes. Oh, that's great. The uh, what was the first song you wrote for the album? Gone for Christmas. Okay. And then it was Real Tree, and um, then it was Home to Me. Then it was then I did the two with Britney Spencer, uh, Blame It on the Mistletoe, and um, Magic O. Then it was like Let's Get Away for Chris from Christmas for Christmas. Let's get away. How did Gone for Christmas start? How did that become the starting place? It it was started like thinking, um, uh, what what do what does a person ask for for Christmas when they're a grown up and they have their uh, a beautiful like child and husband and what do you actually really? It started off like kind of more. Um, thoughtful than it become came and then I was thinking well if if I could have it my way what would I really ask for and um yeah I, I made a list of things that are unattainable and uh you know you never know maybe Larry Dave will show up on my doorstep on Christmas you never know <laughs> how did having that be the first song out did that affect the songs that came after it um, I don't know, because I haven't really, uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to the part where it's like algorithms or um, what you put out next or anything. I'm, I kind of go with my instinct. Yeah. And um, and because it's not even Thanksgiving yet, uh, I felt like Gone for Christmas is um, is scary enough to be a Halloween song. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking of is, was was that the first song you wrote? For the album? For the, yeah. 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 So I was more interested in was like, how, how did writing that song affect the songs that came after it? Or, 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 or can you know that? Um, I, I think that each, each feeling and attitude of, of the song is, um, is much like we are as people, you know, like our feelings, if we're, if we're somewhat mentally sound, uh, we, they're wide ranging and, um, and hard to express. <laughs> and I write it and it's written and 
if it if it makes the record it does if it does doesn't that's fine but um my my number one goal is always to serve the song that I'm writing on and not get ahead of myself and start thinking past to the next song um because it's hard enough to get rid of uh, of the other 26 verses that didn't make it on there <laughs> And then when you're reminding yourself or your your friends and family for Christmas stories and um, getting, you know, different perspectives on Christmas, uh, you start to get to the, sometimes I feel like when you're writing a record, there's some of the, the like witty kind of fun stuff that happens before you kind of open yourself up to, to songs like, um, uh, slow fallen snow or home to me you know it takes a minute to for you to allow yourself to go to a place that's um can be uh sad not necessarily sad but like um or nostalgic or sad or lonesome you know usually like when you talk to people you try to keep it light and then you start getting past the surface. I feel like that's how songwriting for me goes. I keep going deeper and deeper till I've, I'm like, okay, done. Did right. it. So what was the last song you wrote for the album? The last song I wrote for the album was uh, Silent Night. And the second to the last one was uh, Always Christmas Around Here. So I was going to ask you about Silent Night. Mm-hmm. That. T- tell me the story behind that song. Um, that's how I felt about Christmas and not necessarily Christmas, but the past, you know, when, when it June was, it's how I'd felt about kind of the whole pandemic experience. There wasn't a lot of light and all that. It was just, you know, being isolated and, you know, re locked down and then re locked down and, um, just trying to find, and then trying to find light during all that with the, you know, the Trump administration and then the elections, just everything was just kind of awful. Like there, it was a bunch of awful stuff that we're, I think we're still all working on, um, you know, within our groups and communities and then also within ourselves, but that was a lot to go to be going on. Silent night. Silent night. Nothing's calm. Nothing's been bright. Quiet is all I wanted to Is it hard to write something that's close enough to a, a well-known song to keep that song in your head, but then also veer off enough to make it clearly your own space? With that one, it wasn't because I don't think much about round yon virgins and all that because the the uh, language is so old and I, I know the spirit of the song and the intent and everything, but some of those you can get going with silent night and you change it to minor chords and 
then you're you're thinking, I don't know if it's a yonder virgin. I don't know. We'll just stick with silent night and make up new words. (laughs) Um, The only actual holiday standard you did play on the album is what are you doing New Year's Eve? How did that make the cut? The most hopeful song of Christmas songs to me is what do you do in New Year's? Because um, it's like the, the romantic possibility and um, the uh, that feeling of, of of when we all like we all know we can start over whenever we want and have resolve and you know but something about the first of the year and then leading into spring and then the starting over um, that was always the one to me that signaled oh you made it through the holidays you made it through the year um, you know you've probably grown if you've done it right um and uh so that's that one and dominic the the donkey have always been favorites of mine Ah. maybe it's much too early in the game but i thought i'd ask you just the same planned on a holiday season heavy with country music, but when interesting people are ready to talk, I'll talk to them. Rodney Adkins had singles go to number one on the country charts in 2006 and 2007 with If You're Going Through Hell and Watching You Respectively. He's kept working since and now also records with his wife, Rose Falcon. This Christmas season, they cut a cover of Winter Wonderland and their own track, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Here's Rodney and Rose on 12 songs. Sleep bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away Is the bluebird Here to stay What's the story behind your version of Winter Wonderland? Man, so the after we kind of did our, our duo project, um, the first EP for it, uh, we were just approached by the label. We would love for y'all to do some Christmas songs. And uh, it was kind of just, what do you want to do? <laughs> I guess, you know, it's so hard to find a Christmas song that is not an original, you know, one that you didn't write, but that hasn't been recorded a thousand times. And Winter Wonderland obviously has, but we couldn't find very many duet versions of it. It's not like it hadn't really been done in that way, but maybe a couple of times. So we thought we could do something a little bit different with it and that, that it would be cool. And then we also wrote an original Christmas song. Right. It's just, a, you know, it's one of our, we both said we love the song, you know, and that, that's criteria number one when you're about to sing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you had to sing songs that you didn't love? Mm, I think in the, there, yeah, sure. There's been some times that I thought I loved something. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and I'm sure there's some situations where I've been now now go if I go back to my demo singing days, oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's some good training right there. Yeah. Um yeah, it's hard to sing a song you don't really love. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because talk demos are a thing that I think outside of Nashville and outside of the specifics of country music, I don't think people necessarily know what like singing a demo means uh, in, in country. Hmm. Uh, so a way that a new singer coming to town can make some money. Um, I guess everybody thinks that people who write songs can sing. If you write, <laughs> write songs, you're a great singer. But as you know, that's, more often than not, you know, they can sing a little bit. And so when somebody writes a song and they say, want to get, I don't know, Garth Brooks to sing the song, they will hire a singer to, they'll record the tracks, you know, with musicians. Then they'll hire a singer to go in and, you know, try to shine their song up the best that they can. And uh, then they get that recording and they, that's what they send to Garth Brooks or whatever other artists they're trying to get a get a, a cut, you know, right. as they say. Yeah. And there's people who are incredible, incredible demo singers that the whole world never gets to hear. And then a lot of times people do break through. I, Chris Stapleton was one of those guys that was singing demos. Jamie Johnson demos for years and years. And they were people that, you know, people wanted them to sing their songs to pitch to Keith Urban or whoever. I don't know. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and you learn a lot, man, in that, the demo world, because you're in a studio singing, learning how to sing in that, that environment. It's different than singing live. Yeah. I, I remember at one point I was in Nashville and I was, uh, having drinks with a friend who had, was a songwriter who had written a number of songs for uh, that had been successful for women. And a lot of women in the room came up and talked about wanting to sing with them or wanting to write with them. But it was really clear what they wanted to do was they wanted to sing the demos. That they uh. wanted to be in the writing room so that they could be the ones who could then sing the demos far more than it was than they it's wanted cool to get It's a little network thing that happens in Nashville because if you're a demo singer and you can get on some great songs like that with a great writer, these record labels hear those vocals on those demos and they'll, you bring a new song in to pitch to Tim McGraw and they'll go, who's singing that demo, man. That's, that's really great. And that's a great way to get heard. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those in the network kind of things, I guess. Have you sung a lot of outside demos? No, I mean, I kind of, I think one thing that they're looking for a lot of times when you do, sing demos is a voice that is pretty non-identifiable just because well I mean obviously like Rodney said some of the best singers are demo singers but they spent years they also only. have to be a chameleon you know they have to be able to sing several different ways I sing one way and you know it's me <laughs> as soon as you, so like and bless, no I haven't sung a lot of demos but people when she does, because she, you know, writes and does pitch some of her own tunes. She said cuts by males. And so she, I know she goes out a lot of times. She has to get a good, if if her co-writer isn't a great vocalist or whatever, she puts guy singers on 
heard demos all the time. You write a lot of guy songs. Yeah, I'm also the kind of songwriter that would likely or has gotten cuts off of work tapes, which for people that don't know what a work tape is, that's just as soon as you write the song, you sing it in the room with your co-writers. On your uh, phone or On your phone. It's like the worst recording you've ever heard. But I love work tapes so much because they capture the magic and the energy that was there right after you wrote the song. And uh, I actually had a song that Lady Annabellum cut off of a work tape. You know, they just heard the three of us singing it. And When you sing like her, yeah, I can sing it. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a big difference between a, a singer like she's you know she makes sure the notes are in the right place and um me man i go back and woodshed on, on tunes for a long time but you know but i get that though because that makes sense to me because i always think it and you can y'all can obviously tell me but i would think the most exciting part of of working on music is that moment where you have an idea come together and you're kind of riding that wave where this idea is happening right now. You're, you're creating something and you know, it's working and all the energy that creates has got to be both exciting. And in some cases best heard by hearing those work tapes. I think so. That's my opinion. Rodney and I write in really different ways. So I love that moment, you know, of creativity, of spontaneity. He loves the process and the slower version of that, which would be spending maybe three days on a song or more, you know, several writing appointments. Like, yeah, I finally figured it out after we wrote together for a while that she writes the song and then edits. I edit while I write. Mm. So makes it's sense. two completely different Wait, processes. Wait, opposite. No, I, I take my time and edit while I write. Oh, I got you. You get it I out there, and then you go back and <laughs> chip away at it. It's And so we found out a way that works together, though, and that's and we trust yeah. that process. Yeah. But I, you're right. I, when you're in the middle of a song, and you've almost got there, and you're like, oh, I love this. That is what we love about songwriting in that place where you're putting the puzzle together and you've kind of got it surrounded and you're almost there. That's when you're most excited about that, that song, you know? Yeah. You know, and it would seem like with, even with these, with your recent, with these, your two new records, with, I mean, with winter wonderland and with Mary had a little lamb, the idea that while those ideas are hot, while those ideas are on your mind, you get them right out. I've always, I've always thought that must be so frustrating to be an artist and to record, so, to have an idea, and then you have to have 10 of them to put an album out. So yeah. having to sit on a really good idea and an idea that excites you until the excitement's completely gone, and then go and record it. Right. I just said that last he night. He literally just said exactly <laughs> what you're saying. He's like, this is so cool. We just wrote this song or we just recorded this song and we're so lucky, you know, we get to turn around and Boom. release it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, oh, that makes you crazy sometimes. Things get put on the shelf for a while. And they, you know, that's the difference when, when you're on a, I guess, a major label. And then when you're independent, if you're independent, man, you can write a song that day. Boom, get it on, throw it on iTunes or whatever. Sure. Throw it on Spotify. You can get it out there quick. Not even a DSP, not even a digital provider. Just 
you can put it out there with a label. They're like, Oh, we're going to do this, put this plan together, you know, and it gets frustrating sometimes because that plan takes months. Sure. It's yeah. a, so, uh, that is, that does make me crazy. You want people to hear. Yeah. How did you, how far back did the idea start of recording Christmas music at winter wonderland? Uh, for these songs, yes. so in, in, I've done a couple other Christmas kind of ventures. I woke up one Christmas morning a few years ago and just for, because it was Christmas, <laughs> uh, cause I do all recording stuff at, at home, all of the vocals and I guess I track a band in the studio. Other than that, I do everything at home. Um, I woke up Christmas morning and decided I was going to sing. I'll be home for Christmas. Then Curb wound up taking that recording and putting it out on a Curb record artist compilation. Then last year we wrote a song with Jay Allen and Kyle Schlesinger. Schlesinger, yeah. Uh, wrote a song with those. Sing on it with Jay, and it got put out there. Um, this man was fast. This was the label saying, we need to, we would love to have a Christmas song from you guys. Yeah. Okay. Cause we have an EP that comes out in January and we released a couple of songs we have over the past few months. And there was like a little space, you know, for the holidays. So it's perfect time to put some Christmas music out. Um, Rodney had the idea for Mary had a little <laughs> lamb for years, actually. Oh, really? So, yeah. So uh, he, when he brought it into our right, I kind of laughed because <laughs> I was like, well, that's been written, Rod. I hate to tell you, you know, uh, you hate to tell your co-writers that when their ideas already been written. But uh, once he told me, you know, what the concept was, I was totally blown away. So that was great. I, I, I was, I, that was when I was like that. That sound that sounds new. But I wasn't but I wasn't sure. So, so that is an original song by the two of you. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. We wrote it with a guy named Brandon Hood. Okay. So I do have to ask, which which way that you worked dominated in this case? Write, write a bunch and edit? <laughs> My way. Uh, no, no, no. That's not true. That's not entirely true. The song was written in the moment, but then... That's that's what you do. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, then right I guess then. it was my way. Then, see, then <laughs> she's up in the middle of the night. She's up all night. She's constantly, we were, I don't remember, we were, stuff we're doing, she's going, that second verse isn't right. It's just not right. And she just kept, we went to the beach during that. Yeah. And she's on the beach going, man, it's just not right yet. So we re <laughs> I rewrote the second verse several times um, until she Rodney did. agreed to it. And yeah, Which so was that took it to another place when she did that. We just compromised though, like we do on everything, you know, it's his idea. And then we kind of wrote it my way, but what <laughs> works with us co-writing is uh, that we can be honest, right? You have to be brutally honest when you're writing. If something sucks, you got to tell them, you got to say, no, it's not working, but I love it. Uh, you really, really love it. We can do that to each other. We're with other co-writers. Sometimes you can't, you're not comfortable enough to do that. Sure. Yeah. I'd imagine. But we're going to walk out of the room and still love each other. So it's all right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take to write it? 
How long did it take? First, how long did it take in the room and how long did it take until it was done? It was quick. In the room, it was just a day. It like, was like one day of writing, hour, which is, you know, hours. four hours or so. But I mean, like he's been ruminating on this for years. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of had had it going in his mind. I mean, he brought it up to me several times over the years. It took um, a while too to, we discussed what it should be. Like we wanted it to be something simple enough for our kids. We have two and three-year-old, two and four. And, um, but yet a really true, true, true celebration of, of the birth of Christ, mm-hmm. like to feel really celebrate that. Right. And, um, what did, it, so did the rewrite, we got back with a co-writer. He's like, cool. We tracked it with a band. We started singing it. We started mixing it. And then. Then we kind of, that's another process of songwriting, I think. And then we kind of had to look at it. What's it need? What's it missing? We added some stuff. I'd say all that happened in what, like a month to two months time. I don't even think that much. We just didn't have that long. We had a deadline on it. And I think that that works in our favor when we have a deadline. Otherwise we'll just like keep rethinking things, you know. Starting is the toughest thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd imagine having a deadline makes you start. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was fun. And again, to record something just a couple months ago and it be out now is really, that is gratifying. That's, you know, guys need that. You got to like mow your yard or something that you can (laughs) instant gratification. Yeah. (laughs) There was no room, only a manger, nothing but hate for a she laid down his head No sleigh bells ringing No decorations Just a mother and child So tender and mild That holy night in Bethlehem All the angels sang CarFloat sells reusable, removable fabric stickers for your car. Here in New Orleans, costuming is a way of life, and people look for occasions to dress up, not only at Mardi Gras and Halloween. CarFloat believes you ought to be able to dress up your car to match your mood or the season, too. They have designs suitable for the upcoming holidays, but also ones that simply reflect your personal sense of style and whimsy. For Halloween, I had ghosts on my car. Now that Christmas is upon us, I'm rocking ornaments. My daughter helps me put them on and loves doing it. You can peel them off, put them back on their paper backing, and then store them until you're ready to use them again. And so far, my daughter's less interested in that part. Want to see what you can do for your car? Visit CarFloats at car-floats.com. Put 12 songs, the number 12, the word songs, as one word in the promo box at checkout Get 25% off your first purchase. Car floats are art in motion. Finally, I recently also talked to multi-instrumentalist Julian Coster. 
Coster is known first as part of the indie Elephant Six Collective, where he contributed the banjo, saw, or a handful of other uncommon instruments when someone needed them. He also records and performs under the name The Mary Tapes. The elements of play factor heavily into Coster's musical world, and in the liner notes of the singing song Christmas Time, he included notes that suggest that he had nothing to do with the performance. I'm going to read from it for a second. Singing saws sing all by themselves. The idea that a human being could play one, as one might a cello or a tuba, is a common and understandable misconception, as this illusion is encouraged and cultivated by the saws themselves. Saws are tremendous pranksters, and the ruse of causing human beings to believe that they are actually playing them is perhaps the most beloved and persistent joke in sawkind's long history. The absolute truth, however, is a bit more nuanced than that. Most saws are incredibly shy about singing, and especially so in the audience of a human being. Saws regard human beings, their creators, much as children do their parents. But a human can learn to comfort and reassure a saw to the point of singing. The perpetuation by the saw of their age-old ruse simply serves to detract from their own shyness and fears while providing the comfort of another to take the blame should they sing poorly. That seems somehow completely on brand for Coster, as you'll find out in our conversation. We talked with producer Nisi Gallons about the Singing Saw album. I loved the singing saw at Christmas time when it came out. And it is the first out, first Christmas album I had with music played on the saw. And so I have to you know had to ask about it. So so what's the story behind that record? <laughs> There's a lot of stories behind that record. Um and I Neezy, how do we do this? What part do you want to tell? Um, I mean, there's, there's the, I mean, I think there are two overlapping realities and Julian tends to prefer representing the, uh, the less apparent of the two. Sure. And while I can kind of handle the, the one that, you know, might, you might be able to reach out and grab. Right. <laughs> as as the producer yeah he's he, he's the uh that's that i guess that's kind of the producer part of the producer's job um but the, even before the record came to be we were talking about this the other day it's like um what, what it sort of happened was i had um been working on uh, a record um or we we had together too uh actually and 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 um you know for six years um, and Merge, you know, had sort of, they, they were ending their weekly meetings, 
by bringing, like putting up the music tapes record on as the next topic. And that just meant the meeting was over because I, I would never turn it in ever. <laughs> um, and so that was like an in joke amongst them. And then one day I did, you know, it, one day it was finished and, um, you know, sent them this package with like the finished thing with, with like all these artworks and pop-up things. And they were all excited, but I had also mentioned this kind of dream, um, you know, which was, uh, you know, uh, to make this record, you know, we, we really have always, you know, treasured, um, you know, both kind of like, uh, the folk, folk recordings, which we'll probably get to later. Um, but also, um, you know, thrift store records, which was a lot of 50s, 60s stuff. And a lot of it was like kids stuff. And and I just always kind of pictured this record, the Sing Saw Christmas Time. I could see the cover with a Christmas tree and a saw. And so I mentioned it to them. And then Easy, do you want to take over? Oh, um, I mean, my my recollection of this is that basically they decided like, okay, well, if the, you know, if the music tapes are going to do stuff again, then like, why don't we just like, we'll put out all of it. So, so if you want this Christmas record, you got to finish it and hand it into us within like the next two months or something huh. if, or, or less. It was insane. Yeah. Basically we had to hand it in so that they could like press it and put it out in like, I think they've released that record in like August or something, which was weird oh well yeah no i don't i don't think they released it in august and i think we had to turn it, we had to oh maybe maybe but we had to turn it in in the summer you know, need, yeah basically we had you know a month or two to turn something that was just an idea into a finished album and 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 it was the kind of thing where you know like you were saying this the other day like where it's like when the record label wants to put out your singing saw only christmas record you kind of got to jump on it because that moment they might stop and think about it for a minute or, <laughs> you know um, right right if we were like well we yeah we want to do that but it's going to take a year well probably six months later they'll be, decide that it maybe isn't a great idea <laughs> Um, yeah. And so we were just, you know, it was kind of like, but we also, so, but to make things really challenging, um, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to stay on the reality front with you a little bit. Uh, I mean, on this, the, 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 the reach out and touch front a little bit, sure. um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, um, spring, uh, and summer, I think spring into summer, um, on this island in Maine, uh, which do you, do you want to describe a little bit of it? I mean, if, if you want to tell the whole story, basically you have to start with, um, the fact that you also couldn't really play most of these songs very well. (laughs) (laughs) And in some cases you didn't, you didn't even know some of them. Um, so there's the whole thing where we stayed up all night making, you know, we sat down to start recording and I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> this will not do. So you need to practice. And for various reasons, Julian had to go to Texas and maybe he'll tell a story of his Texas adventure. 
but basically in like he spends the, the month of March or April um, practicing Christmas music in Texas. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, my mom home to Maine to the island where all of the birds are waking up and, and singing. The house is completely uninsulated. Oh, great. So, and you just can't have birds. Like you can't have like clearly spring birds on a Christmas record. Um, nor can you have lawnmowers. And the thing is the island that we live on was summer. It was summer um, people uh, island mostly. So there was only 200 people or something who lived on island all year. But then there was like all these people who came in the summer. And so the summer people started hiring landscaping crews all over the island um, before they would come. So there was lawnmowers and there was, uh, there was birds, happy birds. And there were even some incredibly loud flies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and none of those things can be on a Christmas record. So, um, well, maybe before we talk about the recording, though, if I, I can tell you, the, does, do you want to hear the, the Texas part of it really quickly? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. No, I feel like this that this is going to be complicated. But go with it. All right, I'll make. I'll try and make it really, really short. My mom fell in the shower, and oh. I had to go stay with her for a little while. And she lived in the in the, uh, um, Huntsville, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was kind of excited about when I got there because there was a big billboard that said "Home of Lead Belly," and I was I was like, "Oh, this is great!" I'm you know, and and there was a really beautiful town square with like a soda shop and stuff like that. And I spent most of the time with my mom making her listen to these Christmas songs over and over and over uh, and over uh, and over again. Um, and uh, but I did get to go out in into the 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 um, the pretty square. And one day I was taking a walk, and I really felt like I was somebody was watching me like I was being stared at like when you feel that you know and I looked around and there was nobody there and like I walked further down the road and I was still just I mean it was really eerie like my 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 hair was standing up on end on my neck and stuff and then I happened to look up and there was this tall tower and there was a man with a gun pointing it at me staring at me and it was the wall of a maximum security prison. It turns out yep. that's where Lead Belly. That's where he lived. Ah, that's ah, what brought ah, him to Huntsville. I, I, I was I was going <laughs> to guess the ending to that because I was a kid in Houston, and once a year we would go up to Huntsville for the Huntsville Prison Rodeo. And so, and you and Lead Belly's oh, up. Yeah, the, and the other yeah. place Lead Belly is associated with is Angola in Louisiana, because prison. And so it was like when you mentioned Huntsville, I'm like, I bet Lead Belly was incarcerated in uh, in Huntsville too. Yeah, so, it's like they, uh, now uh, now they have all this civic pride about him, but they they brought the poor guy there, and you know it, it is so anyway. That's that part of the story. So needless you, to say, oh sorry, go ahead. Needless needless to say, all of that really put Julian in the Christmas spirit. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and, and so, did you make your mom listen to you practice and learn these songs? Um, I did, I did. Uh, and, um, you know, you know, she was, a she was a really good sport about it. I mean, she and I hadn't 
actually been together for Christmas for a really long time. Uh, and, and so it was, I guess it was sort of like having a little bit of a, of a Christmas in, in April. Um, and, uh, my mom had been a dancer when she was young too. And my, um, my calf muscle started, uh, cause I was, I started playing so saw so much and the vibrato, um, when you're encouraging a saw to sing, you have to kind of shake your, your calf, your right calf muscle, uh, you know, to kind of get it all happy and wiggly and, or, you know, and, uh, anyway, uh, if you do that 20,000 times more than you're used to, it starts, the muscle starts seizing up. So she was teaching me all these dancing, like she was all injured, but she was teaching me these dancing stretches for my calf. It was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> So did you know how to play the saw before this or did you learn the saw for this project? Oh, no, I, I'd been encouraging saws to sing for billions of years at that point. But, you know, this was, you know, it's an acapella, you know, choral record of music that a lot of the music was new to me. Um, and, you know, so we were also doing some some of Mizi's favorite songs. Um, and, uh, you know, I just hadn't, I'd actually not even heard some of them ever. Oh, wow. um, you know, they're a part of his childhood and, and, uh, you know, so, but it, it, um, you know, so yeah, so it was more just that I wasn't really in, I guess what you would call shape right. <laughs> and, you know, cause it, was, it, it happened so unexpectedly that suddenly the record had to be recorded. So, um, and we also, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so I just want to make, so did you, so was this like a spontaneous idea while you're talking to people at merge? Like, Hey, by the way, I could make a saw Christmas album. Um, or was this something that you had talked about and like while you had their ear, figure let's just throw that one in there? You know, in my head at all times, there are many things that one might call a fantasy right. um, or or a dream or a someday, you know, something I want to do someday. Um, and yeah, I guess I don't know why, what made me mention it. I mean, I guess I mentioned it because it was something that it would be really have been really wonderful to do. And that was the feeling, but I never expected also because I just hadn't dealt with release schedules or anything for a few years and, and merge had grown, you know, the, the, there were more people working there and it was a bigger, a bigger operation than it used to be. And, and, um, and so it was really just like, suddenly I was hearing from all these different people with deadlines and this and that, and we'll need that and we'll need that and we'll need that. And I was just like, Whoa, because at first it was like, wow, they want to do it. And then suddenly it was this bombardment of like, of like real, like reality stuff where it's like, wow, wow. you know, we're, we're going to have to do this. And we didn't have, I mean, do you want to talk about the, 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 you know, the, the, the RCA and the impacts and stuff? Oh, well, um, so we had like the, best preamp for uh recording well period but the mic and preamp combo that's that's also the best for everything but 
particularly for saw is a RCA 44 ribbon microphone and a, you know, Ampex like 300 series. I forget exactly which one. Yeah. Like 350 or 351 is we've had both. both, But uh, so like those things are kind of the, the go-to pieces of, of uh, technology for capturing the sound and um, for uh, various reasons you, you kind of can't use a old ribbon mic with modern preamps um, I think they've gotten a little better in the last 10 years um, but at the time we didn't have anything that could you know make a ribbon sound good so the Ampex preamp came back this is boring technical stuff for people who really appreciate this sort of thing uh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> came back and it didn't it like blew up or it didn't it didn't work and you know i think it was like arcing and we were having issues with it so we didn't have our favorite equipment to use is what it amounts to um so we had yeah. to work with just other stuff so we weren't really like getting our favorite sounds right yeah it was, it was yeah i would have never recorded saw in a million years without the rca was the you know it's the magic thing for the saw and um and then that preamp is the magic too but it's also literally the only thing you could use on that mic where it just sounds like you know it doesn't so we were really like and i don't even think i had all of my favorite all of the saws that are are my the, the main saws that have always sung with me even uh and there wasn't any time or any way to get them. I think some of them were in storage or something. And so it was really crazy. Like we were having to sort of invent and, and you know, and a lot of this was was on you. But it was just like we were having to like come up with ways to do this and make it sound good because it's actually really hard to make a saw sound good if you don't have the right things. I, um, I was wondering about that because I could, I could imagine that if you – that if you weren't careful, it could just come off kind of thin and whiny. Well, it was, it was really, yeah, it's really hard and to do. And frankly, I mean, that record would have sounded 10 times more beautiful if we did have, (laughs) 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 you know, but, but we just, you know, I think it was just like, it almost felt like let's do this. We have to do it. It has to be, you know? And so we just went for it. Our big chance to, make this so we'll figure out a way sure so i want to pick up on something you just said a minute ago julian do do different saws sound different oh completely every saw has has a a, an an entirely unique voice just like i mean honestly just like people um it's uh even even if you get the same uh maker or year or something um you'll find that, you know, it's, it's how it's aged or how it's been treated will, will change it totally. Um, so absolutely. That's why there's kind of a real choir feeling. And that's why there's always a saw, especially on this a record like that, where we were, you know, we had acapella single singing, one saw and some things and different groupings. Uh, there's always, I think, a right, a right, you know, singer, uh, you know, among saws for a certain song or, or grouping, you know, that it, it really resonates with that saw. Uh, no pun intended. That's horrible. I'm sorry. Ah, 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 ah. 
Thanks to Julian, Nisi, Rodney and Rose, and Amanda for the time and the talk. We'll have more with Amanda, Julian, and Nisi in 2022. Thanks to Car Floats for the sponsorship, and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already done so, here are a few things to add to your to-do list. Number one, join my Christmas Music 365 group on Facebook. It's a place where I share Christmas music and talk about Christmas music with people who are interested all year long. Two, get Christmas music from me. If you write me at alex at myspiltmilk.com, I'll send you a download of this year's special listeners-only mix. It's a good chance you're ready for some new Christmas music about now. And if you haven't already done so, go to Spotify for my 12 songs of Christmas radio. 24 hours of Christmas music that just need a shuffle click to turn it into an all-Christmas radio station. Three, if you haven't already done so, please do what you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pandora, and Spotify. If you're in New Orleans, number four, come and see me Wednesday, December 22nd at 3 p.m. at NOLA Mix Records on Magazine Street, where I'll be spinning Christmas vinyl for a couple of hours. It should be a lot of fun, and I'd love to see you there. And number five, take a minute to breathe. You've earned it. If you need a hand with the relaxing part, Astral Works has joined with Blue Note Records to create a series of lo-fi EPs, Blue Works. And they recently released Warm Up with music by producer Sebastian Kemay. It's not strictly speaking Christmas music, and the pieces are closer to musical fragments than actual songs. But there's something I find interesting and appealing about music that casually evokes the season being offered up as a kind of respite from it. From warm-up, this is ice skating, which sure sounds like a nod to Vince Guaraldi to my ears. Talk to you next week. <laughs>